Once I drifted out in sin, had no hope, no joy within, and my soul was burning down with pride, sinful pride. Then my Savior came along, and he showed me I was wrong, and he placed me on the winning side. Well, I am on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide. For I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. From the straight and narrow way, I was drifting every day. Out upon the waters deep and wide, but it all is over now. Glory light is on my brow, and my soul is on the winning side. Well, I am on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide, I abide. For I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. I will never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near. And in him so often I confide, so often fight. He's the keeper of my soul since I gave him full control. And he placed me on the winning side. Well, I am on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide, I abide. For I've enlisted in a fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. Praise the Lord, I'm on the Sin within, had no peace for my soul. 
see today. Nice Sunday school crowd. I want you to turn to First uh, John chapter 5 and bring the Sunday school lesson this morning. In First uh, <clears throat> John, First John chapter 5. See, when are we supposed to be out of here? 12 after. 12 after. Exactly 12. Okay. Uh, I'll try to do that. Well, they sang the song on the winning side, and um, um, yesterday afternoon and evening, um, the Yankees weren't quite on the winning side, but they were close. And I had the privilege of taking my grandson, Andrew, down here. He took me, really, to the game, and that's the second time I've ever been to a professional, uh, at least major league baseball game, and uh, <clears throat> I was told, it was the brother Brett, was it, that gave the tickets, not that I never afforded it, uh, but I was told that we were supposed, 
supposed to, since he provided tickets, uh, I was, we were supposed to route for Toronto. <laughs> and, and so I, I forgot about that for a while, and the Yankees got ahead, and, and I said, oh, I'm supposed to root for Toronto, so I started rooting for Toronto. It wasn't a popular thing to do where I was, <laughs> so I wasn't very loud. <laughs> but uh, they started picking up, and they, they got ahead, and they never, never got behind. <laughs> but when I saw them get ahead, I said, oh, my, I've got to root for, I got to root for the Yankees now. So I felt sorry for them. And I, I started that, but uh, they were only able to get one more point if they got closer. And you say, well, it's how you play the game. Winning's not everything, but winning is everything, isn't it? Winning is everything in the Christian life. And um, talking about being on the winning side, I'm, I'm speaking about overcomers. Look here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, who is he that overcometh the world, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, uh, I have heard about TV programs called the Avengers, I believe, and the Untouchables, but I don't think I ever saw an episode of, of either one of those. I read about them. But we have here... Um, another group called the Overcomers. We are the Overcomers, those of us who are saved. And in fact, it says here in this verse, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Uh, what does it mean to overcome? Well, uh, the Greek word, uh, according to the concordance, means... Um, it's translated 22 times in the New Testament. It means to get the victory or to conquer. It also means to knock the weapon out of the enemy's hand. And it means uh, uh, also, rather, it was uh, the, the Greeks uh, had a goddess named Nike. That's the word, Nike. You ever hear the word Nike? They are supposed to be the overcomers. We had a missile called uh, Nike for a long time. It, it was one of our most important uh, defense systems. I had a friend who was stationed at a Nike site on Long Island in the service. And even to this day, you can buy a Nike trophy to give to somebody who uh, gains a victory in a sports competition. I suppose we could give him Toronto one last night, right? Andrew? <laughs> um, well, that's what it means, to, what the word means, overcome, and to get the victory, to conquer, to knock the weapon out of the enemy's hand. And it's the Greek word Nike, or the word from which we get Nike. Now, what is it to overcome? Or rather, who, uh, what is there to overcome? The, the, the idea of overcoming suggests that there's an enemy somewhere, and we certainly have an enemy. Uh, I think about uh, evangelist Seth Joshua, a Welch evangelist, who was setting up a, a tent for a meeting uh, on the East Moors in Carla years ago. And while he was setting up the tent, there was a man came up who was uh, inebriated, he said, and he was drunk. And he said, I, I, I say, Governor, are you, are you going to have a contest here? 
And he said, yes, uh, we're going to start tomorrow. He said, uh, who, who's going to do the fighting? He said, well, myself and some, some of the other parties. He said, what, well, what's his name? He said, Belzebub. Boy, he said, it sounds like a rough person to me. He said, but I'm backing you, Governor. He said, will you come here tomorrow at 11 o'clock, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And, and a man came, and he was his first convert there in that meeting. Uh, we do have uh, the enemy, the devil. Would you look in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 through 11? Our fight is, one of them is with the devil. devil's behind it. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 through 11, it says the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which uh, accused them before our God day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Uh, did you notice here how the devil is described? He's described as a dragon. And in chapter 41 of Job, there's a beast, an animal there that lives in the sea and resembles a dragon. It has a tongue that must be long, according to what it says there, scales, large, sharp teeth, and... Uh, a strong, powerful neck, and out of its nose comes smoke, and out of its mouth comes fire. Um, and it says there's not a creature on the earth so powerful as he is. Um, I believe, here's my own belief about some of these bones that the evolutionists dig up and piece together to make it look like a, uh, some kind of a prehistoric animal. I, I believe that this, this dragon that God describes here in his book of Job. See, Job is the oldest book in the Bible, we're told. I believe that it's possible that they got to hold some of those bones of, of that dragon. I, I don't know, but I don't know there's anything like that on the earth today unless it be the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, but uh, the devil there is described as a dragon in the book of Revelation, and it's a, he's a great and scary creature, I'll tell you that. But only, only God can control him. If I heard the preacher say a long time ago, uh, the devil, don't debate with the devil. He's never lost an argument. You debate with him and he's going to win. And notice that he's also called a serpent. And our thoughts immediately go to the Garden of Eden. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, By fear, lest... By any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So Satan is uh, he's a powerful being, and he's a deceiver. He's very deceitful. Reminds me of the, as it's uh, referred to as a serpent, it reminds me of, of the copperhead uh, that we had back where I was uh, born and raised. Now, I used, to, I used to run through the woods and through the fields barefooted. We could not wait until summer came or spring when we could take our shoes off and go barefooted back then. But there were copperheads all around. I killed several of them and uh, almost got bit by them. And I remember one of our neighbor boys was 
chasing a ground squirrel that ran under a rock, and he reached his hand under there to try to pull the ground squirrel out, and it, it bit his uh, little finger, and from then on, his little, he didn't get any uh, medical aid, and that little finger was bent from the, for the rest of his life. And they were a very poisonous creature, but they would just wait for you to come by. They, they would coil up, and they, they can't strike until they're coiled uh, <coughs> very effectively, so they always coil up, and they wait for you to come. They hear you, uh, they sense you, of course, by the heat of your body and the sound on the ground as you walk. And they're waiting there in the weeds, and when you come by, they'll let you have it. But I'd run around barefooted and didn't bother me as a child, but years later when we were back there to visit the old home place, I was always looking around for I didn't take my shoes off, that's for sure. And I was looking around for copperheads. It's amazing how we get accustomed to things um, that may harm us, and, uh, and then when we're away from it, we're scared of it. There's another thing about uh, the devil that he's called here. It, he's the accuser of our brethren in Revelation chapter uh, 12, verse 10. Uh, he says that the, that the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. So that's part of the work of uh, the devil. His, uh, Satan and the devil is used interchangeably in the Bible. It actually means the same thing. Uh, he's an accuser. And uh, he, he'd tell uh, the lost person that he can't be saved, that he's too sinful to be saved. I remember going up here to Sing Sing with uh, uh, a preacher out here on the island, uh, lived a good ways out in Nassau County. We used to go to different institutions and preach the gospel, and we'd go to Sing Sing. That was one place go in on death row and there was an older man there he'd been there for a long time on death row and our wonderful uh, system of justice you know uh, takes forever to somebody to come to justice but uh, he told me one time he said uh, he said it's good that you come in here it's good for the young people he said but I'm too far gone I can't be saved I've, uh, I'm too much of a sinner and I'm too hard or whatever. And uh, a few years later, I heard that he did get saved. It's possible for people to get saved who think they can't get saved, who think they're too wicked. It's possible. And uh, that man got saved. But he will accuse not only the lost person and tell them that they're too wicked to be saved, but he also he'll tell the Christian God hasn't really forgiven you and he'll hold those things over your head and he'll accuse you and point his finger at you and at God and say, look there, what your child has done. But we have a, a, a guarantee in the Bible by the word of God that if we confess our sins, God will forgive us of our sins. Amen and amen. amen. Uh, there's another enemy it's actually, it's actually controlled by the devil, but it's listed in the Bible as opposed to us, and we must gain the victory over it. We're talking about being overcomers. In 1 John 2, verse 11, we were in 1 John 5. Let's go back to, I'm sorry, 1 John 2, verse 15. It says, There love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Someone might ask, well, 
Just what is meant by the world? Does that mean that I'm not supposed to love God's creation? I'm not supposed to love my family? I'm not supposed to love my country? Uh, it's not what God is talking about. In First uh, John chapter 2, verse 16, it's defined what it is to love the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So it's those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so God would not have us hold dear uh, to our heart these things. Uh, one is the lust of the flesh, and lust means a longing for that which is forbidden. A longing for that which is forbidden. You know, we, uh, we love food, don't we? We Baptists love food. And we have to have food. We have to have food to, to live. But if we overdo it, it becomes lust. If we just live, for, live to eat, it becomes lust. And not only that, we uh, harm our health, you know, our body. And um, right now, the, the government is trying to alert people to... Uh, the problem of obesity among young people, and right there's where it starts when you're young. It's like uh, they used to say, you know, go ahead and go ahead and eat, you know, go ahead and have some more, have some more, you know. And, uh, we train our young people sometimes to overdo it, and then they have a battle when they get older of trying to control that thing. And uh, I remember my father used to say, go away from the table a little bit hungry. Now, I might sound cruel, but that was, that was good because uh, we never let him knew, know whether we were really hungry or not when we went away. <laughs> but, uh, it is, it is, it's a good thing. I think my father could have been a doctor with all the things that he would tell us and the medicine that he was aware of that you could use natural medicines. And he used to tell us uh, we, after we ate, we couldn't go and play for 30 minutes. Let our stomach settle and uh, let digestion take place, start. Has anybody ever been told that? But uh, there's more to lust than the sexual sins, desire for uh, uh, adultery and fornication. Uh, that is... a uh, Taboo, that truly is something against God's will. But there's less of covetousness, envy, jealousy, less possessions, and so on. And then second, there's the lust of the eye. And I believe that that's where the lust of the flesh begins many times. The Bible speaks of eyes that cannot cease from sin. And in 2 Peter 2.14, it says, Having eyes full of adultery and uh, that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and hearts, they have exercised with covetous practice, practices, cursed children. Eyes that are always looking covetously. Eyes that are made to shine by the riches of this world, to sparkle uh, because of material things. Eyes that uh, made to dream because of the exposure of a certain parts of a woman's body. And now it's a man, man's body also. Um, I know that I have seen movies in the past which I probably should have never seen in the first place, but 
I'd seen where there was a, a, maybe a woman coming towards a man and they would show his face and how he would look that woman up and down and or maybe she'd be going away and uh, showing the, the lust of the eyes. And thirdly, there is the pride of life, the pride of accomplishment, the pride of who we are, the pride of how good we are, the pride of what we have, the pride of what our parents are, the pride of what our children can do, the pride of life. This is what we're talking about. And we have one other enemy in this world, and he's perhaps the most subtle of all. We've been talking about what, uh, what is there to overcome. In other words, uh, where does the temptation come from? Where is it, who is the enemy? And uh, that the third enemy that we speak about, we talk about Satan and the world. The third enemy is self. Uh, and in Romans chapter 7, Paul wrestles with this fellow, and he concludes that he's always getting in the way. And he cries out uh, in that chapter and says, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? He's uh, referring to the way murderers were punished back uh, years ago in some countries. Uh, the body of the murdered one was chained to the murderer. And he had to drag that body around until the flesh decayed off that body and became a skeleton. That was one of the punishments for murder. And Paul describes his plight like this as he faces the enemy of self. These are our enemies, self, the world, and the devil. But what is a reason and reward for overcoming? Would you go to the book of Revelation and... Uh, we're trying to answer the question, what does the overcomer uh, receive in a few moments? <laughs> Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, I submit to you that I understand that. I've, I've had uh, a person tell me that that a person would have to eat the tree of life in order to live in, in paradise, in God's paradise or God's heaven or wherever that is in eternity. He had to continue to come back and eat that tree. I don't see it that way, but that's what they say. But he says we're going to eat of the tree of life. So I believe it means that we're going to live forever. He had overcome it. And uh, it's not by his own efforts we're going to point out in closing uh, this morning that he overcomes. But notice verse 11 in chapter 2 also. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. So anyone that overcomes is not, be going, is not going to go to hell. He is saved. And the second death is to be cast into the lake of fire. Uh, well, I'm using hell in the lake of fire as a saying, but actually hell is God's, is God's jailhouse where lost people are kept until the day of judgment, and then they're cast into the lake of fire. Uh, look in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. And that understand that was a special honor uh, back in... Uh, 
I can't remember the country, but it was to have a white stone given to them was uh, a special honor. And uh, so uh, we're, we're especially honored uh, if we overcome. Revelation chapter 2, verse 26 and 28 says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father, and I will give him the morning star. So if we overcome, we're going to be uh, ruling, help, helping rule the nations. Uh, I don't know all the details about that, but we're going to reign with Christ. Revelation 3, 5, see what it says here. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will uh, not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And so uh, there, there we have uh, the assurance that our name will not be blotted out of the book of life. And, and we will be confessed before the Father and uh, before his angels. And notice chapter 3, verse 12. How many are still with me this morning? Yes. All right. Uh, that's good. Revelation 3.12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of the heaven from God. And I will write upon him my new name. So there again is the new name and the, and the glory that we'll have in heaven in the city of God. Revelation 3.21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I'm sat down with my Father in his throne. Just think of the honor of sitting down with Jesus Christ in heaven at his throne. What an honor that is. Revelation 21.7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So, he that overcometh is going to inherit everything that God has. Uh, it, it all belong to us. And I can see that you're tremendously excited about that this morning, and it just blesses my heart to see that you are so excited about it. But those are all the things that are listed here in Revelation. He's talking to the churches, the seven churches of, of Revelation, and, um, and all these things, he says, will be given to those who overcome. Now, how can we overcome? Well, we go back to our... We go back to our... Springboard text in 1 John 5, 4 and 5, and we'll close. And that will be our Bible lesson for this morning. But it, it says there, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and is, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and, and we're told that uh, we overcome the devil by the word and we and we overcome uh, ourselves by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross and so we will overcome if we're born again if we're saved we will overcome who is he that overcometh but he that is born of God whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and overcometh the devil and overcometh self because it is the work of God in us. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And if you got saved, according to that, your salvation has a built-in motor that
that keeps you going. And I like that. I like to be an overcomer. I do like to win. Uh, and we're promised that we're on the winning side. Now, I didn't ask the girls to sing that song. I mean, the young ladies. Somebody said they're not girls anymore. They're young ladies. And I didn't ask them to sing that song. But we're a member of the family, too. You know that? That's what makes us. Being born into the family of God, that's what makes us overcomers and, and on the winning side. I thank you for your time this morning, and uh, please stay tuned for the next hour, all right? Father, we ask your blessing on your word today, and we thank you for the victory that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.